Joining me now for his, what, fourth? Kevin, is this your fourth appearance? Uh, we had a bail on one. I think this is third. Okay, you're right. All right, so the third third technical appearance, but fourth real interview uh, here on Locked on Grizzlies is none other than uh, the beat writer for the Memphis Flyer, the the man who covers the Grizzlies for the Alt Weekly, your favorite democratic socialist <laughs> of, the, of the NBA, uh, based on his last uh, his last piece anyway, uh, Joseph McCarthy's own Kevin Leip. How are you, sir? Good comrade. How are you? Oh man! So you wrote you wrote about uh, the you you wrote a philosophical take as you are wont to do uh, on grit and grind and the. I would say the, I called it on the, on the podcast, I say the perma-dying of grit and grind, which is just kind of where it's been in this sort of stasis of dying and could be here, could be, you know, they, there's moments they spike and then it's back down and it's, but but the spikes are getting less spiky and yeah. the, the downs are getting more downy. So the question, first of all, is are we witnessing the actual end? Like, is this run for the end of this regular season the true, honest-to-goodness end of whatever it is that you want to consider grit and grind? The end of grit and grind was the playoff 2015 playoff series against the Warriors. And everything after that has been a steady kind of dwindling, um, how you call it, an aftershock or whatever. I mean, look at, look at the demeanor of the guys on the court, look at the way they're playing, the consistency, the uh, – there's just been a lot of bad vibes around this team. For the last two years, um, you know, I th- I think that the Spurs poked all the holes in the conference finals, and then two years after that, you know, you had the you had the Gasol injury year and all that kind of stuff. That kind of was just postponing the inevitable, and eventually they ran into the Warriors, and the Warriors figured them out, and they didn't have an answer to it, and they still don't have an answer to it. The answer was Chandler Parsons. That didn't work out. No, I mean, uh, well. No, I'm just kidding. It, did, it clearly it, it didn't work did, out. This year it didn't work out. I mean, no, it's it was a it was an absolute unabashed catastrophe. Yeah. Forget about it. there's no there's no way to downplay how unbelievably bad it was. Yeah. Um, and it could you know it, it could very well he may be fine next year. We really I don't think he will be. Gavin. I don't think he will be, but it's possible, right? I mean Vince, look Vince is Vince is playing the best basketball of his contract. It took him three years to get there, right? Uh, it, these things are possible, not likely, but possible. Um, but for the sake of this year, um, that has put them back in back on the core four, right? And the youngest one's Mike Conley. He's thirty. So all these guys are in their thirties. Zach and Tony are mid thirties, and they're still expected to play like they did five years ago in twenty eleven. Um, you know, I you're an old man like I am. Five years is a big difference in how your body feels, you know, and what you're able to do. You ain't kidding. Um, it's. I just think. I think we're going to look back on this, and I was talking about this with uh, Chase, Luca, Chase Lucas of Grizzly Bear Blues in a, in a um, direct message conversation earlier. And just, I think, I think we're going to look back. And he said this. I'm stealing it from him. I think we're going to look back on these last couple of years and say, oh yeah, that was, that was actually really bad. That actually wasn't fun at all. I think we're we're in that now. And the the problem is, and what I wrote about. God knows how many words. Actually, I know exactly how many words. It was 2,700. Um, yesterday, like, we're, we're just trapped in the cycle of, of grit and grind. Is It's the only way we're allowed to talk about this team. It's a self-reinforcing narrative. It's the only 
take that anybody ever has. There's there's like an arms race to write the best eulogy for the era and pull in your Dylan Thomas quotes and whatever. That's where we're at with this, and and I I think I just there's no other way to talk about the team because it's all the same guys doing all the same stuff that they've been doing for six years, and it doesn't work anymore, really, and hasn't really worked for a while, and that's just that's just where we're at. So like this is where this is know, this is what I, this is this, we are we have dated our high school girlfriend into the first year of college, and we have now realized. That was a bad idea, and we have not broken up with her yet. So it does feel well. I made the, yeah, I made yeah, I made some comparisons on the podcast yesterday that were pretty uh, or day before that were pretty rough. Um, because like at the end of the day, Kevin, like I mean, so you wrote twenty seven hundred words on the I don't know death status of grit and grind the the everyone wanting to. But this fact is not fun. It's not yeah. fun. It's it is. It's in a it's in a state where. Well, and, and mostly about the fact that like the sports media take complex has has made it even less fun. That's where you you brought in the the, the, the communist aspect of it. Yeah. I wrote my which you know for me I the only reason I know is because it's my land record by a mile, thirty five hundred words on grit and grind, uh, the two two issues with grit and grind. As a, from a basketball perspective, so I, that's why I'm glad I like to talk to you because you bring you bring more of a, you know, the the philosophical mindset. When I write, I like to talk in all different ways. But when I write, I like to write pretty much. I like to strictly go with mostly X's and O's, mostly provable data type situations. And I bring in like, and there was some more reporting and some quotes, some stuff I don't yeah. always do. But I had a chance to actually write extensively about this. And and I I'm with you. Like, I, I'm actually you know I, it's interesting. My I'm. The Flyers basketball critic. That's how I. That's exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, that's what you are. And as a critic, it's the product has not been very good. This is this is season too long, or two or three seasons too long for the show. You know, you're, the the narrative arc is starting to slip pretty dramatically here, and we're seeing some characters that are losing their their their, their own particular mojo. Like season three of Weeds right now. It, it's, it, you know, and <laughs> if I had a chance to ever watch TV, I would know what that. I would have a better frame of reference on that 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 quote. But so, but my question is this, and I talked about this yesterday. Um, so like, what's the, what's the point? And I say, well, what's the point of anything? <laughs> that's true. In a, in a general sense, what is the purpose of any of our doings on a day to day basis? That's exactly right. Everything is meaningless, man. It's right there in the Bible. Okay, so there you go. Um, it also in the Bible, there's time for everything. And I just, but I want to know, like, okay, so, so is that Ecclesiastes? I think it's Ecclesiastes. Um, we. We're looking at the situation. We see it, and we're you know obviously we come at it from a different perspective than your average fan who shows up and who likes you know Mark, Mike, Tony, whoever, Zebo. Um, what is is the is the point of being a fan or the point of following a team to hope that team wins a championship, or is it merely to enjoy the fleeting moments of whatever it is that you can sap from this? Like, it is is it wrong for fans to want to see grit and grind? Either as an ethos or just as a strictly exhibition of basketball on the floor, whatever you want to characterize it as, is it wrong to, for fans to want to see that just until the husk just dries up and withers away? Because I, to me, there's a conflict here between the basketball side of it, like as a front office person or as a you know people watching it from a basketball standpoint, that obviously this core is not going to win a championship no matter what, or 
if you're a fan, you're like, I like these guys, and I just want to see them do stuff. And is that? I mean, that's okay, right? Yeah, and that's that is the tension. You know, Chris Harrington made the made the distinction really well in one of his things earlier this week. Between the, there's when you say grit and grind, you mean two things. You mean this kind of vibe in the city uh, and this sort of. It's a Memphis. It's a Memphis ethos, right? The grit and grind is just a new name for for the Memphis vibe that has always been there. And on the other sense, it's this it's this style of play on the basketball court. And, and at some point, we have to realize that, you know, that they can't be they can't coexist forever, right? That we have to be able to separate. Grit and grind is it can be a mentality, right? It can be this um, this way that that we approach basketball as as pro wrestling because we do that that's what it that's that really that's is Memphis. what it is yeah that's what it is right is bringing uh you know uh, Memphis Saturday morning wrestling to the NBA that's really what it is to me and and, and whether or not you play good defense and, and play hard you don't have to play through the post to be grit and grind right it's it's about the characters on the team it's about the personalities on the team I don't think it it shouldn't have anything to do with the basketball because we've seen some some just god awful basketball. Wait, wait, hold on. I, I have to take issue with the one thing. I think you do with grit and grind have to play something of bully ball or something of interior. It's like Jerry Lawler isn't going to fly off the top rope and do a ton of you know hurricane ranas and crazy you know flipping jumps. That's he's not a luchador. He doesn't do that. Jerry has like a great punch and a pile driver and he drops the strap. And he has like about five moves, body slam, the fist drop off the, that's what he is. And if you take that away and you say, okay, Jerry, I want you this now, I want you to fly around. I want you to flip. I want you to do some, a couple cool suplexes. I want you to, that's, it's the same guy, but it's not the same thing. I don't think you can take grit and grind and just transfer and and have the warriors and just say, well, we put the warriors in Memphis and oh, it's grit and grind. It's not grit and grind. Well, I think, I think the thing that, the thing that is really tied to is defense, right? Um. And for all these years, that's really what it what it's been. You know, I just I don't know that that's true. You know, because it's because in the NBA you can't wrestle until you're however old Jerry Lawler is, right? It's different. You can't you can't have that kind of continuity over decades of these personas, these personalities. I I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. See, that's that that's my question. Is like, what what happens when grit and grind? Because this off season, man, you know, we'll talk about it. I'm sure you and I will will chat about this again. Uh, but I mean, this is this is the off season where you, to me, you have to, you know, uh, I don't know, fish or cut bait, you know, crap or get off the pot, whatever you want to say. Like you gotta because you have Tony and Zach and Vince, you know, but particularly Tony and Zach, that are free agents. And if you let them both go, you are saying we're turning the page because that team that comes back, if it doesn't have Tony and Zach, it's going to be mentally, physically. It's just going to feel spiritually, you know, psychologically, whatever. It's going to be dramatically different, even if maybe it will be better, but it will I be intractably different. Yeah, I think it'll feel. I think it'll be numbing. You know, I think it'll be dead for a, for a year. You know, I think I think it's going to be very very hard, uh, and I don't envy them in that in that decision making um, position because I wouldn't want to do that. Um, it's so much of their brand. It's so much of the city's brand. You know. Um, think about how many Twitter bios have have grit and grind in them. Think about, you know, there's the, that's kind of what I said in my piece. There's this whole generation of Memphians who have grown up with the idea of the place that they're from is tied to this this basketball team, and who have come of age in this city. Like that's what that's how they connect to their hometown, right? 
And I didn't have that when I was a teenager, right? They were terrible. No, me neither. I mean, yeah. They were getting swept in the playoffs, I guess. But um, when I was a teenager, we didn't have, we didn't have them. They weren't here, so well, I, I, well, I had nothing. There wasn't basketball yet. You had to wait on. That's exactly right. I, I had wrestling. I had, I had legit actual <laughs> Memphis wrestling. That's what I had. Uh, no, I meant like you were a teenager before Dr. Naismith invented basketball. Oh, no, I'm not that not old. You're a, you're a real asshole. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the Cincinnati Red Stockings. Um, no, but... Um, <laughs> The um, it, it's just so we're steeped in it, right? It, it's the narrative of the city now, and so I don't know what's going to happen. I think even when you get rid of these guys, and that's what I said in my piece, when you get rid of these guys, I don't think we're going to be allowed to stop talking about the teams in these terms. I think it's going to go on forever. What what I think they brought in, again, this is strictly my theory here, but organizationally, Robert Perro, Joe Body everyone when you bring in david fisdale from the heat he being steeped in that culture eric spolstra the pat riley approach that is a cultural situation within that team and that framework where the heat have a culture irrespective of who puts on the jersey the heat have a culture the spurs have a culture tim duncan was an unbelievable player. He has retired. They still are the Spurs culture. That's an enormous. He's had, I mean, who's had a bigger impact? As big an impact as Zebos had in Memphis? Tim Duncan, my God, he's yeah. 20 years in San Antonio, and he's gone, and that's still the same. That's what that's what they're trying to build here. Yeah. What they have now, grit and grind, is not the Grizzlies. It is Zach Randolph and Tony Allen, pretty much. And to some extent, Marcus All and Mike Conley, but not really. It's really Zach and Tony. And everyone that's talking grit and grind is really Zach and Tony. And so I'm with you. I don't know what happens when you remove them from the puzzle if if, when you remove that thing because i think what you're talking about people have grown up that's really that attitude that that feistiness that that's it's they've been incredibly fun and amazing to watch but if they're gone what's left well it's gonna be that the immediate comparison is like the what happened to the pistons when they didn't have chauncey billups they didn't have sheet they didn't have rip hamilton right it was just tayshaun poor old tayshaun trying to score because there was nobody else on that team to score and he's he's not a scorer as we know right i mean uh, and look at them now, right? Um, they, they and Phoenix. Look at Phoenix with Nash and Amari and Marion and Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. I mean, that was a defined culture. Of, and then you, then you, you took those guys away, yeah. and now they're – who the hell knows what they are. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and Mike D'Antoni just continues to be like the evil, mad genius of basketball, right? They just uh, – you know, I, the – the, the Phoenix argument is like if they keep Steve Kerr in the front office and D'Antoni as the coach, they could have had that kind of a Spurs culture, right? They could have had an identity as a franchise. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I don't think if you're going to do that, is Chris Wallace Pat Riley? I mean, we know the answer to that. Um, I, was, I, uh, I, am, I am impressed that you could, you could answer that. You could ask that hypothetically without laughing out loud. Uh, no, the answer is no. He's not. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. I just, that's what it takes, right? It takes leadership. It takes front office leadership, and it takes um, uh, it takes visible front office leadership of of saying this is what we are, this is who we are, this is how we do it, right? And that that is not your players are pulling the chain right now. Um, that's that, and that's what I think. That's why you know I've I've written about the issues that 
are there and you know mark and fizdale have a little bit of a issue and you know tony has not always been on board with everything in the last few years zach and the bench and all this stuff i mean it's such a player-centric culture and specifically those core four guys but that's not but that's not sustainable because they're not sustainable right and and so it was never sustainable even when they were playing it didn't work when they were playing well right right yeah so the thing is are they doing the right thing if they just utterly turn the page this offseason if they just say you know what we're, we're not bringing tony back we appreciate everything that he's done he's a hall of famer here in memphis you know he he and zach could have a statue but you know, Zach, to me, feels more likely to come back because at least Zach has a... I don't know what Tony's role going forward with the massive variance in his performance is really going to be. Yeah, Zach, to me, Zach is a legit, is a legit six-man-of-the-year candidate this year. You know, I mean, I, you need him on this team. You need his scoring. You need his rebounding in your bench unit, period. Like, he's proven that he can be that guy, and he can do that for three more years probably, right? I mean, don't pay him a lot of money for it for three years, but he, Zach, at least, has proven that he can play until he's like 39 years old and and not embarrass himself. I mean, Zach is like Zach is like we have been slow to realize that like Zach is Moses Malone. Interesting. I mean, he is. Look at the numbers, right? You look at usage rate, you look at rebounding rate, you look at um I can't remember the other one for guys over 34. It's Robert Parrish, Moses Malone, Zach Randolph. We haven't talked about him in this context, but those are the numbers that he's putting up at his age. Well, you know, in the the thing that, that I always find myself you know wondering about, because it does, I don't know that it's going to be a, I don't know that you can bring all these guys back. I don't think you can bring back everybody. No, you can't. And I don't think you should really. No, you shouldn't. But I if mean, it becomes you know, a binary, we've, we've talked off the record about about who's who it's not going to be, um, and I think it should be obvious to fans. I'm not going to say it. I think it's obvious, though. Well, and the thing is that it becomes a binary choice, kind of, of, you know, you can bring back Jamichael Green and Zach Randolph, but if you bring back Zach, my question is, if you bring back Zach, do you automatically bring back grit and grind? Do you, can you fully, can you make this transition that I think they brought in Fisdale to make? I think organizationally they're ready to do. But if Zach is here as a presence and is constantly like if they struggle, let's say they, you know, again, they get out of the gate. They don't have Tony next year. They they struggle. It's is it not going to be the drumbeat of you got to dump it down to Zach, dump it down to Zach. Every problem is solved with dump it down to Zach. As long as he's sitting there, is he not going to forever be a little appendage of grit and grind? Even if grit and grind itself, whatever you want to call it, isn't really in existence anymore. Probably, but honestly, um, uh, what you said about a player-centric culture—I mean, the way they treat Zach Randolph on this contract—is going to send a message to free agents around the league about how they take care of their own. Everybody, every player in this league knows what Zach Randolph has been to this team for the last eight years right um or six seasons i guess but uh seven seasons whatever 2009-10 um everybody knows how, <clears throat> how important he's been to this entire run of this team everybody knows who he is and what he means and i think 
I think whether whether it makes sense from a basketball level, I think it probably does make sense on a basketball level if he's okay with filling a certain role, which he's he's done it mostly without complaint this year, not totally without complaint, but um, I just th- I think you got to do right by him, honestly. I think I I just don't I don't know how you uh, 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 between Zach and Tony. If you're keeping one and, and you have to pick one to, to do right by, I mean you pick the all star. Oh, I don't think there's any I don't think there's any question yeah. about that. And yeah, especially in today's You pick the Hall of Famer. Right. I mean well, in today's NBA, you you know, we we we've seen this archetype of, you know, Al Jefferson, Greg Monroe, Zebo, back to the basket big, coming off the bench, can still do stuff in that in that capacity. But Tony's thing is kinda it's so nebulous and it's his, so defin- it's so dependent on fighting through screens and he just hasn't. He just well, in, in the lack of offense at that position is becoming more and more. You know, I, I am of the opinion that you know people talk about change or grit and grind or whatever. Doing nothing is an affirmative choice, not to change, and that's that matters. Yeah. You know, you doing nothing is a choice. Um, you know, people try to say like, well, you know, you do. no, no, you you that's that's you're you're picking something, and the league has changed. Around you, I think that's more clear than ever. Yeah, that the well, league, the Southwest, the Southwest Division changed this year. You've got Nerlens Noel and in Dallas. Um, you've got Demarcus Cousins is, is in your division now. You've got two, but you've got two more athletic bigs in your division now that you have to play four times a year. So Houston's I mean, got, I mean, James Harden and you know, Capella and Nene, and the, I mean, they they've got guys that are tough, and, and they got Ryan Anderson playing four and yeah. can go out there and, and stretch stretch you all day long. Spurs, the Spurs could be last place in the division next year. So like that that to me is <laughs> that to me is the is the is the, the the choice, and it is a choice. I mean, you have to make you're going to have to decide what you want, which is why I asked the question about like you know what's what's more important. You know, as a fan, do you do you always want to just see like your team strictly building and building and building? Um, and because that's you know rebuilding, which they're going to have to do at some point. They've put it off for a while, but they're going to have to do it at some point. It's going to be hard, and I don't know you know how many of the fans will survive and will it's sit through it. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to test the viability of Memphis as an NBA market, period. Because it's going to be a long it could be a long walk in the wilderness, especially with their pick situation being what it is, and you know the lack of of any young talent to speak of. With the person, whoever's making the pick situation being what it is, you know, I mean. So here's my other question. It, of Mark, Mike, and Chandler Parsons, do all of them see out the entirety of their contracts as Grizzlies? And if not, who, what? Give me a scenario. I'm asking you to predict here. I'm asking you to use your, uh, you know, communist wiles to see into the future and collectively, you know, Bring in the, the mystique, everything that you can bring in. Use it and tell me how this thing goes down. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna claim being an actual communist. I will claim, I'll claim socialism, but let's not go that far. Uh, listen, listen. I'm, 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 I'm just busting your chops, Kevin, because the folks I've seen the, your Twitter feed is alight with all sorts of fun <laughs> stuff after you wrote that piece. It is. It's been great. Um, no, um, God, that's a hard one. If I could trade, if I could trade. Chandler Parsons for like a nice couple of tacos <laughs> tomorrow. I would do it. Um, you know, like some 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 good like enchiladas with some mole sauce. I would I would trade. I would do that in a heartbeat. You're very um, hungry. You're making me hungry. I don't know what you get. You know, that would be a salary dump, and I don't know what you what else you would have to give up because you you're already in a bad pick situation. Um, 
Parsons is the obvious because we don't even know if he's ever going to play again. But you also don't know that you can do anything with that contract. Probably. I mean, if he's not, if he's going to be Brandon Roy, probably not. I mean, you may stick around just purely, or you may have to. I mean, I guess stretch him, but that's. I, I'm not talking about that for next year. I'm saying like maybe last year, last two years, whatever. Yeah. But if he doesn't get better next year, and we're in a year from now, if we're in a similar boat, if he hasn't performed, then you're talking about stretch. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mark or Mike? Who's more likely to see out their full deal? Bearing in mind that Mike's got what? Extra two extra years? Is it, or is it one extra year? Okay. They both got five-year deals. Um, You're right. Gosh. Mark. He does have a player option at the end of his deal. That fifth year, is that's an interesting little wrinkle that might potentially be I don't know. I don't know how the landscape of the league is going to look at that time. Um, Physically, what he's going to be. I mean, I think one of the things we're seeing this year is he's starting to break down a little bit. Just in terms of, like, the effort and energy level he's able to give on a consistent basis. I mean, sure, a lot of it's mental. It always has been with Mark. But I think physically he may may be starting to crest. You know, he's 31. He's got a lot of miles. 32, actually. Is he 32 now? I mean, he's had how many Eurobaskets and, and... And he's playing Eurobasket. He's playing on playing this summer, by the way, in Eurobasket. He, he tried to play the Olympics last summer. I mean, he plays every single summer. And before he was in the NBA, he didn't go to college. He played in Barcelona. He played in Girona. Like, he is... I don't know how many minutes of basketball this guy has played. Lionel and, and Jaeger both played him 40 minutes a game for eight years, right? Um, he's going to break down. And then you would gonna, think. But, you know, now he can be like 40-year-old Sabonis, just shoot threes. So that's cool. I mean, Sabonis was you know was playing like unbelievably. He had no like need. He had no cartilage in, yeah. in either knee, and was somehow. So you don't apparently you don't you don't need that stuff. Uh, Chandler Parsons does, but but Sabonis Sabonis did not. So, yeah, Chandler Parsons. Don't 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 even <laughs> compare Chandler and, and Arvidas. Yeah, have you watched? Have you seen the YouTube video of Sabonis? Like healthy Sabonis just. Oh. Crushing David Robinson. Of course, soul. it's my favorite. I, I, I tweet it out all the time. It's oh, it's unbelievable. The kid, he's, he's incredible. It's my favorite basketball YouTube video. He's just watch so it. he's doing it to, vibrant, and he's doing it to David Robinson. Kills him, just destroys him. And he did best. it. And who, did, and, and who did he do it for, Kevin? Uh, he did it for the Communist Party, the Soviet Union, Soviet, Mother Soviet Russia. Union. Brings it, brings it full circle. <laughs> brings it full circle. No, Light, thank you uh, for taking the time. I appreciate it, and I, I'm I, I really I appreciate your your willingness to incorporate all kinds of stuff into your pieces. You know, you and Chris Harrington and Matt Hurdlicker. There's a real literary slant to it that I cannot replicate. I appreciate uh, on some level. You know, perhaps not uh, as deep as I should as I would have back in my my earlier days, um, but I appreciate that you guys do it because I think it, it adds a lot of interesting spice to the discussion, and it brings it on a level that's, to me, a lot more fun to read than just the kind of like, you know, normal day-to-day stuff that, that people who you fly in for a week and do a piece on the Grizzlies and all that, and they, they fly out and, you know. They've you, all got the same copied and pasted grit and grind take, basically. very. I mean, that's kind of what I touched on in my my big long piece we've been talking about. Or the death of grit and grind thing. take, or yeah. the new the new Grizzlies, or the new this. It's yeah. it's, the it's the same. It's the same stuff. So it's all the same stuff. These, these guys, um, you know, uh, they suffer from the same narrative exhaustion 
that all of us who are writing about it every week suffer from. And there's only so many things you can say about it. I've written a lot less this year because there's, there's after some of these games, I just go home and I'm like, I don't have anything to say about that. There, what, who cares? Like, you know, and I said this in my piece, like sometimes the answer really is like, they got good looks and just didn't make shots. Like sometimes that really is all that happened in a game. And why, why would I write a thousand words about that? I don't have to, so I'm not going to. <laughs> That's, I mean, that, that that that's very true. It feels very perfunctory uh, to some to some extent this year. The whole, yeah, the whole the entire season for I think everybody in this building feels that way. It does have it does have that. It's kind of I hate to. It's a depressing situation. You 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 have you have a the reputation and Matt Moore and others have given you the Eeyore <laughs> vibe. It, but I, I don't I think that's that's wrongly. I've talked to you a lot and you, that's wrongly. You you are you get very excited about things. But not about this stuff because it's been the same stuff, and it's the same, and it feels as though you are in Groundhog Day and you're experiencing the same exact season, year in and year out. Maybe yeah. some different variants last year with the injury stuff. You well, know, the injuries. Yeah, the injury stuff happened in 2014 too, and it happened in 2015. Mike and Tony were hurt going into the playoffs in 2015. There's an injury. There's a serious injury every year. Yeah, and there's there's something, and then they they, they don't play as. Then there's a little bit of a mini crisis that happens. Then they write the ship, and then they play really well against good teams, and then they lose these weird games against bad teams. It's the same stuff, same script, same deal, everything. And and those of us that cover them year in and year out, you will you will forgive us if we get a little annoyed with the because you you the every day and you can't get yourself all ginned up of with excitement or frothed up with what's the real thing. Like you know a team that's capable of of losing by double digits at home to Brooklyn. And then you know, beating Golden State by double digits, yeah. you can't. There's nothing to. There's no thread that runs through that other than it's just the same old Grizzlies. Yeah. And we've written and done that. We've done it. It's done. It's done. And at least from a narrative standpoint, it's done. As a fan, I, I would. I don't want to like. You know, that, I always feel bad because I don't. I'm not like trying to. You're a fan. If you if people want to watch it, that's that's their business. That's cool. And and I mean, I, I enjoy watching basketball. Yeah. It's just like. It feels like it's the same, and there's no the, there's no yeah. movement. This uh, this year is probably the year that I've watched the most non Grizzlies NBA games, uh, because in the past it was like, well, I've watched so much basketball, I don't have, I don't want to watch any more basketball. But this year I seek out whatever's on ESPN because I just want to watch basketball. That's fun to watch, like, and not, and not yeah, I just want to watch basketball. Like yeah. I, I love I love basketball. You know, that's why I do this, and it's not um, the, there's just no air in it this year for me here. Thank you, Light. You're, you're very welcome, comrade. <laughs>